Valley Farfetch listeners, this is Kia here. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to say a quick thank you to all of our amazing listeners that we've had so far. Me and Gav have been utterly amazed at uh, getting out to a few hundred of you guys and having you uh, return for future episodes and the questions you've been sending in have been amazing as well, so keep those coming. A little plea from us, we're trying to get out to thousands of listeners now, so if you can do us a little favour, jump on iTunes, your podcast app, wherever you get your pods, and give us a five-star review so that we can push through that horrible iTunes algorithm and get out to even more listeners. So if you like what you're hearing, if you want other people to hear from us, jump on iTunes, click on our show, scroll down to the bottom, hit five stars, and give us just a two or three word review. It will take no more than a minute, and it would mean the absolute world to us. And while I've got your attention, why not send in some questions as well? Our question bag is a little bit empty at the moment. We've got a couple to get us through the next few episodes. So you know where to find us by now, but jump onto Instagram at Fairly Farfetched, same tag on Twitter, or just email us directly, questions at fairlyfarfetched.com. And I know that you know how to spell Fairly Farfetched at this point, so don't get me to spell it out for you. Now, on to today's episode. You'll see it's a, a very, very special episode today. We've had guests in the past who have added loads of flavour and industry expertise to our episodes, and we're so grateful for their time. Today's guest, however, no disrespect to those that have come before, is an extra special guest. We have been so, so lucky to spend some time with someone that Gav and I have revered for a little while now for her amazing work as a video game designer and artist, Simone Maindel, who has been conducting a project that she calls Canto in Real Life. Now, Canto, for those of you that don't know or remember, is the name of the original area, world, in which Pokemon existed from Pokemon Red and Blue back of uh, 1998 original games and what she's done is this incredible project or she's currently going through should i say this incredible project where she is mapping out using google maps images real world inspiration and photography of cityscapes and then kind of mashing those together with the original towns and cities from the kanto games and the pokemon universe to bring kanto into real life which As you all know, we're obsessed with this idea that Pokemon can be real. That's the whole premise of this pod. So you can imagine why we were so excited to get some of her time for a cheeky little interview for this pod. Now, Simone was very, very gracious and gave up her time for this pod. uh, Not only once, but twice, because I oversimplified the tech just a little um, and it turned out to be a bit more complicated than I thought so a simple recording of a phone call did mean that we lost the audio halfway through so not only will the audio be a little bit crackly in places but you will also notice that about halfway through we had to start recording again so there might be a bit of a difference hopefully that shouldn't uh, impact your enjoyment of what was for me a fascinating interview with a very charming and intelligent lady in Simone Mendel. Now, if you've been stuck under a rock and you don't know who she is, get out of that rock, get on Instagram. Definitely recommend you checking out her work as you're listening to this pod, just to bring a bit more life and richness to the conversation. Just go for her on Instagram, at Simone Mendel. You can spell that S-I-M-O-N-E-M-A-E-N-D-L, or just 
search her hashtag, which is hashtag Canto in Real Life. Enjoy the pods, and I will speak to you again at the end. Um, so, Simone, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Well, thank you for having me. I'm great. Good. Really pleased to hear it. Uh, I know that a lot of listeners from the fairly far-fetched parish will be very excited to uh, to hear more about you and your work. And actually, I should also say that Gavin is so upset that he can't talk to you today. But unfortunately, he's on Tokyo time and it's a school night. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Always an issue. So, um as you hopefully know, it's um, tradition around these parts for us to start off with a strange opening question about the world of Pokemon. So before we get into you and who you are and get into the detail that I know our listeners want, hopefully you'll indulge me. Um, my opening question for you today is, if you were to eat a Pokemon, who would it be and why? <sighs> so I've given this some thought and the problem is, I've recently started to mostly eat vegetarian. Mm. So <laughs> it's a regular problem. To, yes. So it would have to be like part of a Pokemon or a Pokemon that is like literally a fruit or a vegetable. Mm. Um, so I've come up with like two Pokemon probably. So I've noticed that Paris has these shrooms on its back and like I love mushrooms but then again that wouldn't be the whole Pokemon but then there actually is a mushroom Pokemon so if it had to be one then it would be Fungus I'm always struggling a bit with the English no I love that so Fungus evolves into a Mongoose which is a really weird reference to have you ever heard of the band Incubus no I haven't their debut album, I think in like 97 or something, is Fungus Among Us. And for some reason, the Pokemon company decided to make a weird reference to that album with two of their Pokemon. What? So weird. <laughs> I always find it so fascinating with some of the Pokemon when you dive into where the names comes come from. It's always like some weird reference or like even with some of the like with a lot of the English names or with Pokemon trainers where the English translators just had some fun and you're like, what? (laughs) I totally know what you mean. I think that's a great one. Is is there a German for that Pokemon name or do you guys use the British names for for Pokemon? No, we, we actually we translate almost all of the Pokemon names. So I'd have to like I think I roughly know all the 150 in English, but for all the other ones, I have to look them up. So Simone, our listeners will know you for. Um, I imagine through your uh, Canto in Real Life uh, project, which is something that has completely captured the imaginations of myself and Gavin and really inspired our thinking around this podcast. And you come in at a a timely moment when we're really starting to think about um, Pokemon, um, uh, the Poker Cities and how Pokemon would change our relationship with our environments around us. So why don't you tell us a bit about your project, Canto, in real life? What inspired you to take us on and what's your process? How do you come up with these beautiful artworks? Mm-hmm. Um, so the Canto in real life series actually started from a completely different project. Um, basically, a friend and me wanted to improve our art skills. So he said, let's just do 150 drawings of one thing. And the thing mm. we decided 
just let's go on Google Maps, let's pick random places, and let's just draw them. Let's just give ourselves one hour, draw these places, get a feeling for how to draw the real world. Um, and after 60 of these, I got bored. <laughs> so I was like, I can just throw Pokemon in there, and that could be fun. Um, <laughs> I love and it. that's kind of how it all started. <laughs> I love that. So uh, so do you have a history with Pokemon or is it just that 150 seemed the numbers just seemed to work out right? Uh no. Um so Pokemon was the first game that I played as a kid. Uh I started with Pokemon Yellow. Um and then Pokemon Crystal was probably the game I sunk in the most hours in and then now in the later years I'm catching up with the newer games and I still watch a lot of Pokemon speedruns. Um, and like Nuzlocke challenges and videos like that. Um, and the number 150 came from my friend. So that was just by pure coincidence because he had seen another artist do this challenge. So then for me, I remembered that I found this list a while back on Bulbapedia where they were trying to map the Pokemon Kanto region onto the real life region of Japan. And since I was already doing these Google Maps, drawings I was like I love Japan I could just draw Japan and then I had the idea oh I can actually just do like the list of like trying to find the realized places in Kanto and then draw them and then like stylize them a bit more so this whole idea kind of just from the initial just draw random Google Street View um locations it just warped into this hey i can actually do some really cool stuff with this i love it and your process is really interesting because as i understand it you look at a town from the kanto region let's say it's um pewter city and you think about how does it work do you go what is true about this city and where else would that be replicated within kanto in real life and then try and find somewhere specific or are you just randomly trawling through the streets of kanto um so my process is basically um i'm still using that bulbapedia list as guidelines because they actually have a pretty good like they mapped which city was probably the inspiration for the pokemon city Got um you. so for example for town that was Shimoda City, mm. um, the Shizuoka Prefecture. So then I will think about like, okay, what are the landmarks of that city? It's obviously Professor Oak's lab. It's your house. It's your rival's house. So these three places are the ones that I want to draw. Um, and then I just drop myself into that city and walk around there until I find a reference where I'm like, yes, this house looks like it could be your rival's house. And then obviously I also try to find pictures from um, the recent Pokemon Let's Go series from, mm. um, I use a lot of uh, Half Gold and Soul Silver as a reference. So I try to mix images from the game with the city in real life. I love it. It's almost like triangulation. You go, what's happening in these real life towns? What's happening in Let's Go or Heart Gold? And then what is your own artistic style? And you're kind of mashing those together to create these beautiful pieces of art. I love it. Yeah, I was actually pretty surprised when I first uh, started walking around Pallet Town. I was so surprised that it looked super tropical. Like, yeah. I always just 
these towns from the anime and then from the super old games where you can't really tell what what is the climate of a region. And then you just walk around there and you're like, damn, they have palm trees. This is nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So which parts, um, so I've, I think you're in Celadon City at the moment. Which parts coming up are you either excited about or nervous about? Um, so I think I haven't posted the newest ones yet, but I'm done with Celadon City and I just started with Saffron City this morning. And oh, cool. um, actually, because I love drawing cities, I was most excited about Celadon and Saffron. Um, but now after drawing all the Celadon artworks, I again realized that I can't draw humans and big cities without humans in them. Yeah. <laughs> Look, <laughs> Makes uh, sense. Yeah. It is empty, so um, I'm looking forward to drawing the buildings in Saffron City, but then again, I despise drawing the humans in there, so it's, yeah, that's probably <laughs> going to be the biggest struggle, and then the rest is probably going to be, um, I already found some really good references, I'm really excited for the rest, um, getting to draw some routes again, because for the routes, you have a bit more freedom, you can just walk around and like find cool places. Yeah, I agree. Your your routes seem really um, like free, and they seem very. Uh, they're, they're, I'm so much. I'm really immersed when I see your routes, whether it's a seaside route or whether it's a um, you know a, a set of steps leading through a forest. You get a real sense of how a world could exist with our kind of city planning and architecture with Pokemon as well, and it feels very freeing as a as an appreciator of the art. Yeah, I always loved the the exploring in Pokemon. So, um, yeah, I I try to find a way to combine the urban environment with that kind of you go off the path or it's a path, but it's mainly for bikes or like something like that. Because like in our real life, I don't know, you guys are from Europe too. You probably know it. If you walk around, it's everywhere. If you mm. want to go on the path you have to go way out in the countryside um yeah and i kind of wanted to bring that yeah that exploration feel back if that makes sense Now, the eagle-eared among you will notice that this break wasn't just for the good of our health. It was actually to cover up what ended up being a re-record. This is about the time of the interview where the audio just stopped recording and I didn't notice. So we picked it up a couple of weeks later. So I'll let you get back to the interview. Enjoy. Okay, so Simone, thank you for joining me a second time. As our listeners will have noticed... I'm definitely not sat in a park this time around. Um, so thanks thanks for re-recording this with me. Um, no problem. I wanted to get into um, some of the kind of the meatier content that was such a brilliant conversation last time. So we'll see if we can recreate it. Um, I wanted to talk about like cities in the Pokemon universe. If we can imagine the premise of our podcast, as you know, is what would change in our world if Pokemon existed within it? So what do you think would be the biggest changes that we would see in our cities if Pokemon existed? So I think I still remember the main points that we talked about last time just because I just had these clear images in my head. And I think um, so one of the main things that would change is because you would like Pokemon's 
in our real real world would be comparable to animals. So cities would definitely become more animal or Pokemon companion friendly. So maybe we would integrate more nature into a lot of the cities with maybe more water, maybe more parks, maybe even like battling zones or like maybe every city needed to have different rules. Maybe there is a city where you can't even bring your Pokemon and you have to keep them in Pokeballs. Like, if you look at how diverse cities are in the real world, I think there's definitely some, yeah, some weird kind of, or like different kind of solutions that every city would come up with. Maybe you would even have like different transport methods or something, because if you can rely on Pokemon, then maybe in some cities they would replace like buses or cars or... Yeah, see, that's interesting, isn't it? Because we have these... Essentially, I mean, you don't have to look too far back in our human history to see examples of us riding on horses or in other parts of the world, other animals. And actually, we've gotten away from that because technology has caught up. But actually, Pokemon are more advanced than animals anyway, and they're much uh, more likely to take our direction and our instruction, and they have their own kind of sentience and consciousness. So do you think... What do you think? Would we... Because in one of your um, drawings, as we've discussed... You you said that there you made a note in it. You said yes, that's right. There are roads and cars in my drawings of Pokemon cities. Does that mean that you don't think we would have cars if Pokemon existed? I think we would still have cars and all of that, just because let's say you have a like a parent that has a small child and maybe they never caught a Pokemon to transport them around, or maybe. People think, oh, Pokemon are dangerous. I think we would still have all of this. So I think we would still have developed a lot of solutions for humans. But then still, I think we would have, like, maybe you have a road, but then you have a wide river next to it with a Lapras transportation system or something. Oh, that's really interesting. I love that. So it's more like we've merged it a bit. So technology still has its place because there is a lot of convenience. And for example... Mm -hmm. If you wanted to have all the transport in the world be done by Pokemon, you'd have to breed a lot of Pokemon. Oh, and yeah. Pokemon, you know, are, are susceptible to illness, to not paying attention to us, to doing their own thing. And actually, we can control a car better than we can a Lapras in theory. But I really like yeah. the idea that you'd have both. So you'd have roads, maybe you'd have like a big track where the Rhyhorns and the Rhydons would be running down with people on their backs. Um, and actually like flight paths as well, right? Because flying oh, yeah. is such a big part of the Pokemon games. Oh yeah, that would be so cool. Just yeah. like all the flying Pokemon in the sky. But then you would also like, what's the traffic system like? Do you have like traffic lights in the sky? Is there no rule how many people would even fly? Do you need like an extra license? Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nightmare, isn't it? Because I, they are currently... Tesla and Uber and loads of other um, automotive organizations are piloting, quite literally, flying taxis. Oh, yeah. And, and that's really interesting. But my immediate thought is, how do you control the skies? We can barely control the ground. Um, but maybe, I mean, the big, the big problem with that is either human or computer error. But actually, if you've got clever Pokemon who are trained, 
maybe they would just be able to, you know, you've got psychic Pokemon. Could they communicate with one another and actually be their own air traffic control? Yeah, and that makes me think, like, how would you construct buildings? Because if you have this layer of flying Pokemon, would you just have, like, underground station just above ground, mm. like, on top of buildings? Like, how would we build certain cities? Because, like, the way you construct cities and um, construct buildings also highly depends on the surroundings and the traffic and everything else. So, yeah, I think it's quite fascinating to like how far you could go with that. Like, in the in the images that I made, I think they're still very tame content, uh, compared to what you can mm. do. So, like, That's you could go crazy yeah. with that. Because your drawings and actually the the cities in the Pokemon games and anime are still based around our earthly rules which is that buildings come up out of the ground um and i agree we talked about in our latest episode we had an architect on called shirag who i've mentioned before and we talked about would we actually build more buildings down because actually there's a lot of benefits to building underground and farming underground is really interesting as well right because at the moment farming takes up such a, a huge amount of space because you have to build farms across you can't build farms up into the sky because they don't have any contact with ground but if you build down you've got all of that nutrients you can use and getting water to them is just a matter of gravity you just drip feed it down from the top which is super interesting so i really buy into this idea of underground cities in the pokemon world oh yeah i think that could definitely work especially if you have pokemon to aid in like the farming process itself Mm. Yeah, I mean, you've got plant Pokemon, right? They are already what we need them to be, and they can move and sustain life and even battle each other if we get bored down there. Oh, I remember, I think one topic that we talked about last time where we both didn't have an answer was, um, or like where we just were like, huh, yeah, that's a thing, is like the waste that Pokemon Mm. probably produce. Like, how would that get sorted? Or like, how would you with like fire Pokemon or like a magmar that just melts through everything. Like (laughs) how would cities set rules on like what Pokemon are allowed and what aren't like, you can't just ride in with your Onyx into every city, I guess. Yeah. I think, I think your point is right, which is that I can imagine cities in the future where we, or cities in a world where Pokemon exists, that's got really strict zoning laws and, we talked about on the last episode of the podcast with Shirag, he was saying how I gave him a problem, right? Which is how could you have Pokemon that weigh 900 kilograms or that are 11 feet tall on second floors of buildings? And he said, well, actually, you just wouldn't. What you would do is you'd make the, f- the ground floor really tall and sturdy. <sighs> and then you'd have, you know, like if you go into shopping malls or if you go into like football stadiums, a lot of them have these like mobile signal blockers in them. So they block the signal on your phone so that you have to use their payphones. It's an old school technology, but it does exist. So could you do that and it actually blocks Pokeballs even being able to open? Oh, damn. That's a really good idea. Like if that existed, that would definitely happen. Like just imagine renting out a flat and then some dude just released it. His onyx or so. <laughs> <laughs> your whole flat is trash. What about, so we, you started talking about it already, but what other than like transport and the ability to maybe like build underground and that kind of thing, how do you think Pokemon would improve city life? So I definitely 
think um, because I always connect Pokemon to nature, mm. that city life would maybe become a lot more inclusive and a lot more um, so more inclusive in terms of you'd have to find different solutions for people to access buildings because you're not only building solutions for people but also for Pokemon. Mm. Plus, I think if you integrate Pokemon into your life, then you also need to integrate their habitat into your city life. Um I remember from the third generation games, um, there was this one city which was basically just like tree houses. And as a oh, kid, yeah. I just thought like, oh, tree houses. Okay, fine. Looks cool. <laughs> but like now as an adult, I'm like, how cool would it be to just live in a city of tree houses? Yeah, it would be super cool. And I, I really like that about the games. I think the city that you're talking about is called Four Tree City, which is in um, Ruby and Sapphire, isn't it? Um and yeah, it's basically the whole city is built on stilts and you've got these lovely tree houses. And you're right, as a kid, you just go, oh, that's interesting. But then as an adult, you go, God, wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, imagine that, but like as a modern city, like modern buildings, but kind of combined with that tree house thing. I don't even know what to call it. So cool. But like, I think we, we, would, have, we would have a lot more maybe natural looking buildings also if you if you think about pokemon helping with the construction process like they can melt down certain materials they can help like they can they can uh, replace construction equipment um so i think maybe we would also construct our buildings in a different way yeah i think that's a really really good interesting point and it that a couple of things you just made me think there one is could the could we build all our buildings on stilts and actually the ground level is where pokemon live so they're actually like almost living like under our buildings because what i always thought about when i saw four tree city was underneath would just be like this amazing ecosystem and environment for grass pokemon to live yeah it might be a bit sad for them um to just live underneath us because there's that game uh, one of the final fantasy games i think it's final fantasy 7 they live in a uh, city or a set in a city called midgar and there's like an upper city and a lower city and the lower city is basically just not even underground it's just that they've built a whole city on top of it and it's it almost becomes like a bit of a slum so i definitely don't want that for my pokemon pals but um there's something in there that i quite like yeah, I think like that kind of city would definitely exist. But then again, I think like also there would be modern cities made for humans just like we have where maybe you'd have to keep your Pokémon in their Pokéballs. Like I think because of the games and now the film and all the Pokémon media pushes this, oh Pokémon and humans are friends and they can coexist, but I think there would still be cities on the planet that are just made for humans. And Pokemon are kind of an extra, and like maybe you're even forbidden from letting them out of their Pokeballs. Completely agree. And you just think about um, how different states in America have different laws, oh, or yeah. how when a different mayor of London comes in, they change what you you know c- c- certain legislation. Might that be the case? And actually, I I wonder if that would even swing like political voting. Would some people? You know, would one political party say, no, we don't want Pokemon in our city, they're a hazard, um, 
And a lot of people are going, yeah, I really agree with that. So I'm going to vote for them. And then on the other side, they're going, no, they're our friends. They should be part of our city. And actually, maybe the laws around it change almost like every four years with different um, and they're used almost as um, a piece of political uh, bargaining power. Oh, yeah, they could definitely I can definitely see that happening. Or maybe there's even rules of like, for example, in in our world, you're allowed to keep like a cat or a dog or maybe a hamster, but you can't bring a horse or a sheep or an elephant (laughs) into a city. So I'm guessing maybe that would be kind of the norm where you have certain Pokemon that are allowed and then if they have a certain risk factor or go above a certain weight or size, then it's just no, no, no. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No Rhydons on the second floor, please. Yeah. I love that. Um, great. Uh, amazing. And actually what I love is that you've made me think about our technology episode, which I think is probably going to be our next episode. Um, oh, nice. Because, because like the Pokedex is an interesting piece of technology and everyone keeps emailing us in and saying would the iphone exist if pokemon existed and i don't know what are your thoughts on that because we've already talked about how we might use um like wi-fi blocking technologies to stop you having pokemon in certain areas but you know what what are the other things that come to your mind when you think about like tech in pokemon oh that's an interesting one because i think like the first Pokemon game was also about technology, then second one was more about like spirituality, and then third one about nature, or like kind of the theme, but in the first one also with the cloning, and like the first game that had the PC storage, and just the concept of you can have Pokemon and put them in a ball and then store them on a PC, like they basically become data then it makes you ask the question, what are Pokemon? And can you do that with humans? Can you store humans exactly. on a PC? What, what's happening? <laughs> I always found that so strange that it was just, it was never really explained in any way. But even if you look at the anime, when you look at a Pokemon come out of the Pokeball, when it comes out, it kind of grows from this small ball of light and then becomes a Pokemon. And when you take it back you shoot this red laser at it and the red laser seems to almost take over the Pokemon and transport it and it becomes a digital monster, right? Which is Digimon. That's a whole different franchise. Yeah, but I think, uh, doesn't Pokemon come from pocket monsters? Well, Correct, that doesn't really yeah. mean that they're data packages, but like for me, from the first game, it always had that kind of vibe of like Digimon-ish. Um, and then the later games, kind of changed it to oh they're your friends they're partners they're creatures and then i think there was one game where some fan theory started uh that pokemon humans evolutionized from the same whatever whatever um but yeah then if pokemons and humans are related in some way then yeah the uh, sorry i'm starting to spiral <laughs> that will be a good episode though Ah, what a cool human being. Simone, thank you so much for taking that time to chat to us. Listeners, I know you will have enjoyed that too. Now make sure you check her out on Instagram if you haven't already. Those links again, at Simone Mandel on Instagram, or just type in her hashtag, Canto in Real Life. Now, I'm off. We'll chat to you guys in a couple of weeks' time. Sayonara. Sayonara.